0: You know, I've got this massive bike with my son's weight on the front of it. We've got uh, four panniers hanging off it and the tent as well. It's a lot of weight, you know, it's a few hundred pounds of weight. And I had to get off the bike and I had to push the bike.
1: Are you like me and you just you know say to yourself pretty often, ah, I can't do that. That's impossible. Well, if so, Travis ain't gonna accept that. All right, because Travis doesn't live with limits. Um, he and his partner uh, and their son have done some amazing things and are planning to do even more amazing things. Uh, Travis is a career adventurer. He's done many different types of adventures and when he and his wife found out that their son is autistic, it, it was pretty hard news as you could imagine. It took them some time to to accept and just say okay, you know, we got to figure out a way to to do the things we love and and give Patch their son the best life possible. And somewhere along there, they decided to ride a bicycle across America. Uh, They're all from Australia, so that's, that's quite a trek to go to the States in the first place, much less to ride 4,000 miles across the country. Uh, but today we're going to hear about how they did that. And this episode, by the way, is from 2019, so two years ago. But I just thought it was such an inspiring story to listen on the fir- uh, on the last day of the year or the second last day of the year, whatever. Last episode of the year for us, let's put it that way. So it's just a great way to finish the year or start the year off strong if you hear it um, after the first and uh, kind of set us up for the mindset of, hey, don't don't live this year with limits. Um, see what's possible. Make a difference in this world, and you know, don't make excuses this year. Do something. We've had a lot of really good stories on lately, so I want to make sure it's going to the ultimate purpose of of getting you moving and getting you doing something, as well as me. You know, this show gets me moving uh, as much as anybody. This uh, the, it's for me as much as it is for you. Um, so. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump in, and we've got to catch up with Travis at some point to see if he was able to do uh, that second adventure he's talking about later in the episode. So, all right, happy New Year, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next year. We uh, we have a great episode coming at you today. We have a really a, a serial adventurer. Um, who's been all over the world, Pakistan, India, Malaysia, Singapore, Canada, and and so many other places, as well as uh, an an educator. He's been teaching for over 20 years and has an an awesome family that he does adventures with. We're going to get into his story and and one of the, the trips he's done in the last few years that was just amazing, in my opinion. And that's Travis Saunders. Is it Saunders or Sanders?
0: Yeah, it's Saunders. Saunders. Yeah, it's great to be here.
1: Yeah, thank Welcome to the show, man.
0: Oh, cheers, mate. Cheers. And, yeah. and what an introduction.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> didn't I mean, I, hope I, I done all all that. <laughs> hope I didn't get anything wrong. But I, I'm going to guess from the accent, you're coming at us uh, from somewhere in Australia today.
0: Yeah, that's correct. From uh, Adelaide in Australia. And it's the uh, middle of winter here.
1: Oh, man. So, what's a winter like in Adelaide?
0: Uh, that's the funny story it's it's absolutely beautiful oh, i guess adelaide's course. one of those, those yeah it's one of those amazing places it's quite dry and about eight months of the year and almost nine months of the year we have blue skies
1: that's that's pretty uh enviable dang we're, we're in colorado <laughs> it's pretty nice here i'm not gonna lie winters can be cold but not not terrible not terrible but yeah man so so you know you've done some some incredible adventures, but y- you've been a teacher for a long time, correct? Yeah,
0: that's right. You know, like over 20 years ago, I studied a Bachelor of Education majoring in environmental science. And so, but that love of environmental science grew from those very early experiences of my dad dropping uh, a good friend of mine and myself uh, about 100 kilometers out of the city of Melbourne where we grew up. Um, and we'd take the fishing rods in a backpack and we'd head out for either a day or a couple of days and we'd walk up and down these little creeks, trout fishing, and we'd camp the night. And I was, you know, fortunate enough to see some magnificent Australian wildlife in the, in those journeys, koalas, kangaroos and the, you know, the elusive platypus, which is a animal that lives, you know, in some of these remote uh, streams in Australia. And uh, I, I had this passionate geography teacher at, at the time and uh that love and uh, you know that exploration and that that passionate geography teacher built me up to what I am today to have a, a really good understanding of what it means to look after the environment but also connect with the environment and connect with the people that that uh you know really appreciate the great outdoors and so I um I'm certainly somebody that uh, has a bucket list of, of adventures and uh, not enough time and uh, not enough of my life to be able to achieve them all.
1: It's frustrating, isn't it?
0: <laughs> i'm sure a lot of the people you talk to are exactly the same. <laughs> it, it's, how do you fund these adventures it,
1: yeah how do you fund them how do you have the time i mean it's it's the more you read the more you research all it does is make you more frustrated on all the, and, and it's the different ways you can experience it you know you can hike it you can bike it you can fly over it if you have the capability i mean there's just so many ways to experience the same places it, it, it's overwhelming
0: yeah, yeah, look at Eddie's, and of course these days we're, um, we're inundated with uh, Instagram and Facebook um, yeah. kind of photos and stories of all these amazing people doing these incredible adventures, and you just say, I want to do that, I want to be there, I want to explore what they are, and, and then sometimes you just got to kind of kick back and go, alright, here's a reality check. Uh, they're going through some pretty tough times out on those out on those trails or that or that adventure. I'm enjoying my life at the moment. I'm going to kind of explore uh, what it means to live the moment, and then I'm going to research my own adventure and make it my own unique experience. To then go out there and give it a crack and, and not live it as much through social media.
1: Yeah, that 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 social media can really it can ruin your day your life really if you let it get yeah, just the envy. <laughs> get it get a hold of you but uh man it sounds like those early experiences with your dad is kind of what kind of what built this foundation of of adventure and you know when you think about it then you know those aren't the grandest experiences in the sense of like climbing a big mountain it's it's just being out there with your dad doing fishing and just being there that was important
0: yeah and and i think it's those kind of like those formative years um, that builds up to who I am now in you know those summative years and so it's it was such an important time in my life to build up those little skills and those splinter skills about how to be able to cope in certain situations and, and to get myself out of situations. And, and so I really, I, obviously, I thank my dad for that, but I also thank other people that I met early on. You know, I like that geography teacher, like that really good mate of mine that I walked up and down those creeks with. And, and you know, I'm a firm believer that we're all lifelong learners and we can learn something off everyone we meet and every interaction that we have and and build upon those skills uh, to have a crack at some of those big adventures that are kind of scary for so many people but don't need to be. So
1: so what what was the process like for you starting out with those smaller foundational experiences into what you do now? Um, These big, big, uh, not even expeditions, I guess, but just month long, multiple month long adventures.
0: Yeah, look, I think it was a it was a, a case of a little bit of uh, a luck or bad luck at, at this stage. We <laughs> were going through a bit of a <laughs> going through a bit of a revolution in an Australian education system, and we had a we had a uh, where I was growing up, they made ten thousand teachers kind of redundant, and they were folding all these schools and creating but from the these small schools, they were creating these super schools, and it meant that as I was coming out of university. Uh, There were no jobs, and so I opened up the newspaper one day. Yeah, we had newspapers back then, (laughs) and uh, there was a a job going in in um, in a Maori Polynesian school in New Zealand, and it was that moment in my life that really opened up. Uh, adventure like I'd never experienced before. And before you knew it, over the course of several months of, of uh, being over there, I'd trekked all of the great walks of New Zealand kind of back to back. And uh, that opened up a life of adventure, but it also an importance of actually doing these adventures with other people. And that was so important to me that I had the experiences that I could share, share with other people. And I've done so many adventures around the word solo and they're they're exciting they're, they're you know that, that's that's great but the ones i like to talk about these days are the ones that i've shared with people and you know and that includes things like you know walking you know, across england and where i loved it so much that i did it again the next year with a different friend and and cycling through you know the uh, volcanic regions of uh, indonesia with with another good mate and you know, it, there's so many different kind of of those smaller, you know, two-week, one-month-long adventures uh, that kind of gave me those skills that I needed and the confidence and the experience to go, hey, you know what, I can tackle anything. And if we break it down, if you can do a two-day adventure, you can do a two-month adventure, you could do a year-long adventure, Um you just have to be able to plan ahead and plan for those things that, that may go, you know, possibly or terribly wrong. And so, um, adventures, my life, it's, it's what I do between between working and and looking after my uh, severely autistic son.
1: Well, first of all, what a, what a place to build a love for adventure New Zealand. Jeez. That sets you up for some, uh, some epic stuff going on there. And, so after experiencing that and you come back home, did you eventually find a job teaching and, and start doing that?
0: Uh, yeah, and I guess that's what I've done uh, for years is that I've gone in and I've gone, all right, I, I really you know, want to go to this particular part of the world. Um, what's the best job to do that in? That's a teacher's position. We have a, uh, a six-week break over our summer holidays, and so I was able to do some of those adventures over that six-week break. But I also worked for... Uh, almost 10 years in the Northern Territory, you know, crocodile country. And we had uh, a four week break in, in the middle of the year. So that enabled me to kind of bunny hop straight across to um, Southeast Asia for lots of mini adventures, cycling and, and, and trekking. And so, These days uh, are very different. I am no longer a teacher, I'm an educational consultant, which gives me a lot more flexibility in terms of uh, looking after my my son and and exploring with my son on lots of little mini adventures, but also some big adventures. And so uh, work life's very much changed. um, And that was changed when he he was diagnosed on the autism spectrum uh, around about 20 months of age.
1: And how old is your son now?
0: He's uh he's almost ten.
1: Wow. Yeah, he's
0: he is just the most super dude. He's he's autistic. He is an incredible singer. He's beautiful. He's talented. He's intelligent. He's such an adorable boy that kind of changes the the people's worlds when they meet him. And uh, Fiona and myself, Fiona's Patrick's, uh, Patrick's mum, we call him. Uh, we call patrick patch uh we're just so lucky to be his mum and dad and we just tell him this every day and uh you know patch is uh you know he has some um very very complex behaviors he is uh has difficulty with communication he's uh You know, there are severe deficits in in terms of communication. We have to explore the different ways that we communicate with him. He has uh, many varied and complex uh, social skill difficulties. He's he's never played uh, with a toy um, uh, like I did growing up. And he has many varied, repetitive and restricted behavioural patterns. And so as a dad that was uh, somebody who loved the great outdoors and loved adventure, I was always immersing him, him in these different experiences. And we learnt early on that um, his life was going to be diff- very different to his peers uh, growing up. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can explore some of those things today as to, uh, what led us to go on an amazing adventure with him.
1: I mean, it, you know, it sounds like it's incredible. Um, right now you obviously seem like a great dad, but I was curious to know, you know, when you first got the news or first started realizing, you know, his, your son was going is autistic, what were some of the emotions going through you, uh, and your partner and, and just kind of, what were you thinking? Was it nerve wracking or were, did you just kind of say, this is going to be a new challenge. This is going to be fine. Uh, I don't know. What was it? What was
0: uh, it? was a, an experience that, uh, I, I I don't want to relive it, but I have to relive it. I have to talk to people about how it felt. Um, if I kind of, I take a step back. It was like, if it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, there was a certain way that society t- talked about people with disabilities, and there was a certain narrative, and it was a certain, almost a, it was almost a "woe is me," I feel sorry for you, mum and dad, and it was very ableist in its discussion about the way that we talked about um, people on on the autism spectrum, people with disabilities. Right. These days, these days, thankfully in Australia. Um, that has changed, particularly in the last four or five years. The way that we talk about disability, the represent, representation of people uh, with disability in the workforce, um, in the media is growing. We're starting. We're starting a revolution here in terms of the way that we have inclusion within our schools. And so this is this is kind of a, an exciting time to uh, to. To, to be in. But if I take a step back and I go back kind of like seven and a half, uh, eight years ago when Patch was diagnosed on the sure. autism spectrum, we were still living in this bubble, this social bubble of uh, this knowledge base that our parents had kind of embedded in our minds and that the, the the experiences that I had with other children at schools that had disabilities. And so it was a negative one. And so the initial, in, in, you know, those thought processes that go through your mind as a parent is, Oh, this is this is this is horrible. This is this is devastating. Uh, what does this mean for my son's future? What does this mean for our, our family? How how is this going to affect us financially, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And and whilst there's many of those things that we we still go through and we still experience, um, I want to live in a society that, that that when somebody gets diagnosed with a disability, everyone goes, okay, cool, all right, this is where we're at, okay. Uh, I've heard some really amazing things about the things that people with disabilities are achieving. Um, we're going to focus on what's possible and what motivates our our child, and we're going to create these positive associations in our in our child's life. And we are going to be the most positive parents in the world. But of course, Patch gets diagnosed. I've got all of these kind of this knowledge which has been embedded in me from generations before of this sometimes could be perceived as a negative thing. And so I felt really shit. Yona did too. We um, we sat in the car and we bawled our eyes out. We went home. We were staying at our, or my in-laws at that stage because we'd moved from the Northern Territory down to South Australia. And we kind of cuddled in bed in a, in a fetal position and we bawled our eyes out, literally f- for days. Jeez. And it was the most... It was the most horrible, horrible experience. We knew our son was different. We knew his life would be different. Uh, We didn't know what it would be like, but we also knew that we were very, very much lost individuals. We felt so alone. And I remember uh, getting up out of this fetal position and saying to Fiona, I have to get out of the house. I have to go for a jog. And, you know, I wouldn't say that I was fit. I wouldn't say that I was unfit. You know, terribly unfit, but I put on a few pounds. Uh, we, uh, you know, we'd move states, so there was this whole transition period of, in terms of not exercising. And so I went to go for a jog, I put the runners on, the shorts on, you know, the T-shirt, kicked out of the house and literally got a few hundred metres down the road, sat in the gutter, bawled my eyes out again and threw up. Oh. Yeah, it was that moment in my life that I realised that, you know, hey, shit's got to change here. I've got to be that, you know, that pivotal, you know, that center hardcore point that really looks after myself because if I'm not looking after myself, I'm not looking after my family and ultimately my son and creating opportunities for my son. And so it was a moment that that uh, changed my life and then I started to to run, you know, 5Ks turned into 10Ks, turned into 20Ks, turned into me doing these kind of midnight runs overnight. Um, and turned into running ultra marathons, to eventually uh, running twelve marathons in twelve months to raise over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for autism organisations in Australia. And wow. if I felt that I needed to be uh, proactive in terms of uh, you know this reactive thing that I was experiencing th- through social media, in terms of I wanted to talk about the positive aspects of my son's life. I wanted to talk about the positive aspects of those um, other parents that I that I met and the organisations that were, you know, kicking butt on doing amazing things in terms of the way that the they spoke about autism and the way that they used language which, which was reflective of what the community of autistic people were actually wanting. And so, um, yes. <laughs> So that's it. And, you know, like, you know, I kicked out and I, and I ran a few, you know, big ultra marathons and a few, you know, there was a hundred miler in there for a 24-hour event. And and we got a lot of community support and a lot of people on board. And, and you know, for, for, for short moments in time, we were able to change people's lives by talking about these positives and not giving people hope, but almost giving people almost like a, you know, a roadmap of, hey, this is a better direction to go down rather than constantly talking about the negative aspects of what bringing up a child that has autism can often bring with it. Not not saying that we don't talk about those aspects, but think about the way that we do communicate that so that it actually looks after that particular individual that has the diagnosis itself.
1: Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that helped make this show possible. Hey, Kurt. Hey, Mason. If you don't know, Kurt is the former host of Adventure Sports Podcast. Kurt, I heard you had a little story for us. Okay, true story. A couple of years ago, I decided it was finally time to get just the right ski for me. But ski technology changes so quickly, and I really didn't know what I needed. So I just went to Powder 7, and I I told them my skier ability, how I wanted the ski to perform in the pow and on the corduroy and in the bumps. And they pointed at a ski in the wall and said, I think this is the one for you. Of course, they showed me several others and told me how they would differ. But in the end, they said, but based on what you said, this is probably the one. I have never had as much fun on a ski as the one that they recommended for me. So if you're going to buy new skis... Why not buy the right ones for you? And to do that, go to Powder7. They really know what they're talking about. And I also wanted to add, they have pretty much perfected the art of buying skis online too. So even if you're not in the area, they have a very robust website, extremely helpful. And the cool thing too, they do sell a lot of used demo skis. So I know we on the show are always looking for deals. Um, that's a great way to save a little money if a uh, budget's tight right now. So definitely check out Powder 7 by going to powder7.com. Again, that's powder7.com. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you've put a lot of thought into the, the way uh, you guys want to approach this and how you, how you have approached it and... Well, you've kind of alluded to it. Well, what are some of the common misconceptions of autism when it comes to, you know, caring for someone with autism that you've found? I know, you know, keeping a positive attitude has probably been crucial for all this and it's, it hasn't been easy, I'm sure. But, you know, there a lot of people probably do feel that, you know, their adventure days are over if they have an issue like this pop up.
0: Oh, look, you know, um I guess I can't talk for any other individual that's that that is on the autism spectrum, or any other families' um, uh, circumstances uh, involving their own child, and what what they can go and experience. But I've met I've met a lot of uh, parents now uh, that you know like you know you get connected with like people, don't you? In in life often, and so I've been connected yeah. with other autism uh, uh, parents that have children with that are on the autism spectrum that had gone out and done some kind of you know, awesome ad- adventures, including mo- motorbike trips in Africa um, and going across to South America to do small treks and things like that. But the one thing that we all have in common, and and this is about always presume competence. Uh, we have a child that is minimally verbal to nonverbal in terms of the way that he's able to he- express himself. Now... I've been lucky enough to have uh, um, made a podcast about autism and I've spoken to uh, non-verbal autistics all around the world that now type uh, to communicate. And they all say the same thing. Always presume competence. Never give up on us. Always make sure that you, you, you can help us to learn the method of communication that works for us. Being nonverbal doesn't mean you have nothing to say. Being nonverbal doesn't mean you don't understand those conversations that are going on around you. And so the biggest thing that I could say to anyone out there is that if somebody's not looking at you, it doesn't mean that they don't understand every single word you're saying. You don't have to make eye contact um, to understand what somebody else is saying. And we know that whether when we go for a bushwalk, don't we? We've got our, our good mate who's in front of us and we're often walking behind our good mate. We're not making eye contact to be able to have a conversation. We're not making eye contact to be able to uh, understand what that particular person is saying. And so that that's no different to somebody on the autism spectrum. And that's something I'd say to teachers too. And how many times have I said it myself and made a mistake in the classroom? And it doesn't have to be necessarily to somebody on the autism spectrum is to say, can you look at me when I'm talking to you? Uh, For some people, it's difficult to make that eye contact. For some people, it is so painful to make that eye contact. So why, as a society or as a a therapy organisation, are we trying to make people do something that is incredibly painful to them or doesn't meet their needs? And so that's the biggest misconception I can say, is that if we presume that somebody's competent and we provide them with those resources to be able to communicate, they can then tell us what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and then provide them with that choice and control over their life. And if we forget about every meme that's ever been created about autism and we forget about everything that we've ever been told and we actually can communicate with that individual or communicate with that individual's parents that, that often know their child best, we can actually break down all those misconceptions and cliches and misunderstandings and actually focus on that individual as opposed to focusing on a diagnosis. And uh, we're going to kick a lot more goals if we, you know, tackle it that way.
1: It sounds like that it's uh, taught you that not everything is what it seems. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's changed you tremendously this experience over the last 10 years.
0: Oh yeah. Look, you know, like when we we go on these adventures, uh, we can we continue to learn. And if we if we just think about it on that basis, that if we're open for that knowledge, we can uh, then open up new corridors or new new doors or new roads to to new learning experience and ultimately growth as individuals. And so, yeah, I have learnt so much, and I've also realised how wrong I've been. And uh, I don't see that as a negative. I see that as a real positive. Uh, that's enabled me to go, I, okay, I got it really, really wrong in those early stages. Uh, I was concentrating on things ultimately that my son couldn't do. And whilst it's important to concentrate on those aspects, if we can concentrate, you know, more on those possibilities and what motivates your child and what their strengths and interests are, we can kind of, you know, cradle or encourage that growth. And, and that's why um, we came up with this, you know, bizarre, all out there idea to cycle from one side of America to the other side with our autistic son.
1: Yeah, I mean you said adventure is your life and you aren't kidding. Just because you know you have these new challenges and opportunities, you guys did something that so many people would be terrified of to do. Where did this idea come from and what what gave you the confidence to say we're doing this?
0: Oh, yeah, look it's, it's it's I guess these ideas just don't they don't pop up, but this kind of this this it kind of did pop up. But there was a lot of circumstances that that led to it you know school wasn't going great for patch uh, he was really really struggling he was he was you know visually distressed and uh he was he lost a lot of language and and uh as a result of that fiona and myself we'd uh you know we were struggling uh our relationship was struggling our entire family unit was struggling and It was around the same time that there was a Victorian organisation over here that set up something called the ICANN Network. And it was set up by an autistic lawyer that kind of said that, I want to create environments that are based on strengths and interests for kids. I want to work with schools. I want to concentrate on those positive, positive. I want full inclusion to be able to support kids. And I want to mentor children. And I liked it. I really liked this idea of, you know, Focusing on what those strengths and interests are, you know, to embrace the autistic individual, and and so this particular day we were uh, we we're on a lake, and I was sitting on the side of the lake, and and Patch was out in these little kind of I think they were like twelve foot skiff uh, sailing boats, and and Fiano was out there guiding Patch on how to control this little skiff, and and. Um, there was this another, another. Uh, I think he's about 24, 25 years old. Trent was his name. He came in and he said, "Travis, Travis, uh, Dad says there's nothing I can't do." And I was sitting next to Dad, and I said, "Yeah, absolutely, Trent. You know, there's nothing you can't do." And if Dad says, "Dad says that uh, you know, one day I'll be able to, you know, go out by myself," because Trent also had a carer next to him, guiding him through this sailing process. And dad says, you know what, Trent, you're almost there, mate. You're almost there. You're going to get there. And Trent went in and out half a dozen times. And every time he came back in, he kind of had this same conversation with me. And it really stuck. There's nothing you can't do. And so I had this whole concept of there's nothing you can't do in terms of what Trent had said. And then there was the ICANN network in Victoria, which started this kind of almost this little revolution in terms of looking at autism differently in terms of strengths and interest based. And I thought, nothing I can't do, strengths and interest based. What is it that Patch is good at? So we went home that day and uh, we kind of spoke about it in detail. You know, Patch loves the outdoors, he loves camping, he loves movement. And he also loves and is passionate about leaves. You know, you can't, it can't be a day go by that you don't see patch hasn't picked up a leaf. And he and he he stims on it, he's got this self stimulatory behavior where he kind of rubs it, flicks it, and listens to it, smells it, tastes the leaf. And these days, I look at it as a real positive it's the way that he is interacting with the world. And so, uh, Fiona and I also had to break it down a little bit more, we had to look at our own life and what are what are the things that we're good at what do we enjoy doing and so we looked at one of the most amazing times of our life and that was a time when we cycled from singapore through malaysia through thailand through laos then flew to canada and then cycled from canada all the way down to mexico um you know fully self-supported carrying penas. and it was the time of our life so we thought what if we can get a bicycle and we can just go on some day trips with Patch. So of course, I tracked down this bicycle. It took quite a long time. It was It's a semi-recumbent tandem, and Patch sits in the front of it. I sit at the back and I cycle from, from behind, and I, and I steer this bicycle. And so the whole idea was to get out in nature, he loved movement. He loved the breeze across his face. I could then teach him. I could teach him how to read using road signs. I could teach him um, about the bicycle componentry. Uh, I could have a running narrative going along describing things as they're occurring so we could cre- create these posit- positive associations. And, of course, it worked. He was, he was loving it. He was loving coming home from school to get on this bike. He just wanted to jump on this bike straight away. And it was, we were smashing it, man. It was awesome. And so I said to Fiona, what if we could go back to America and we could do a rail trail, you know, one of these kind of like 200, 300 mile rail trails in the States. She goes, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do this. And so of course I buy this big, you know, United States map. I put it on the wall in the little house we were staying in. Fiona goes to work, I was a stay-at-home dad doing the odd job here and there. And, of course, you know, my my mind took over. And, you know, I started mapping out these rail trails. And I go, you know what, you know, this is great, but it costs a lot of money for an Aussie to get over to America with a few bikes. And, you know, what if we just kind of break it down day by day and see if we can't go from one side of America to the other? And so Fiona was at work. I mapped this out. I got the highlighter out. And uh, before you know it, I've got this route from one side of America to the other. So she comes home from work and I said, Fee, (laughs) what do you reckon of this? And she kind of laughed at me. She knows what I'm like. She said, yeah, let's do it.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah. That's (laughs) That's awesome.
0: As out there as as it sounds. And and so that's what we did. We uh, rode from one side of Side of America to the other over seventy nine days
1: and I, um, what was camping it, 5, out 5,500 kilometers.
0: Yeah, uh, 5,600 kilometers oh, 5, in total.
1: Kilometers. So what was your route? What did that look like?
0: Yeah, so I guess you know, like um, we'd we'd ridden from uh, you, you know from Canada to Mexico uh, back in two thousand and seven, and we and we loved the coast. And we thought about doing that trip again, but then we thought, ah, you know, life's about experiencing different things and, and having new associations. So for us, it it really, the route or the, the route of which we say in Australia wasn't the, the biggest um, kind of decision. For us, it was about, okay, we've got three-month visa. What's possible in three months? Uh, what can we do day in, day out. And so the, the bike itself was actually the most important thing in terms of that uh, that routine for our son. Now, a lot of people talk about children on the autism spectrum not being able to cope with change. For our son, it was the opposite. He loves change. He wants change. He wants to continue, that continual immersion in new things to be able to, to learn. You know, imagine if you're nonverbal and you're sitting down at a table and somebody teaches you that's a square, that's a circle. That's the number one. That's the number five. And they do that continually and they treat you under your age group. Well, that was the experience that our son had had for, for many, many years in terms of um, uh, his, his education. People weren't presuming that he was competent. So we had to run off that basis that he was competent. And so over 79 days, we traveled between 40 to 60 miles a day and we started out at um, and I believe it's Ana Cortez in uh, Washington State. Is that the right pronunciation?
1: You know, I, I actually don't know. <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. <laughs> Let me yeah, look yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we um, we kicked over the north cast northern Cascades, mm-hmm. then the Rocky Mountains, then through the um, uh, the plains. You know, through you know North Dakota, and then we kind of you know. Met up with lots of rail trails as we got further east across the states, and and then you know around the Great Lakes, kicked into Canada, and then uh, kicked on to the um, the Sino, um, Trail, and then all the way through to Washington DC, and we finished at the Australian Embassy with a kind of a huge Aussie crowd to to greet us there at the
1: at the finish. But but wow, of course, I, I didn't know, you know that. That's really cool. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was it was awesome. It was a, you know very kind of a home crowd, <laughs> parochial type of experience, and and we had a few friends that were actually working in Washington DC that came out and saw us, and and that was really nice. But that but the the cool things that occurred were often when things went wrong. You know, it's it's day three for us, and we're in Australia, and it's it's a pretty flat country, and so to train to do a, you know, a journey as epic as this with our son, uh, we had to kind of go to these little kind of mountainous regions of Australia to, to get a few, you know, uh, um, you know, leg repetitions for that workout for day three when we crossed Washington Pass. And, of course, you know, Washington Pass is, you know, no small hill. It's, you know, 5,477 feet or whatever it is on day three. But it killed us. Uh, you know, I've got this massive bike with my son's weight on the front of it. We've got, uh, four panniers hanging off it and the tent as well. It's a lot of weight, you know, it's a few hundred pounds of weight and I had to get off the bike and I had to push the bike. And, uh, so Fiona and I pushed our bikes, um, over six mountain passes in the Rocky mountains, Northern Cascades. Um, how did
1: your son do? that
0: he did well he was amazing he got off the bike lots we held hands we pushed taught him how to push the bike um we sat on the side of the road and we, we watched the you know these little streams and we spoke about the streams and he experience cold we could talk about what it meant to be cold um and we we're able to teach him in situ in that particular moment in time and we spoke about road signs and and um, we, we found number plates. We collected number plates the whole way across America. And we got him talking about the, the numbers. And eventually, when we got to the about halfway across America, we stayed in a hotel one night. And he started to speak again. And, uh, yeah, it was just a phenomenal experience. So he was, I, I'd say, you know, what does that say? He would say fire extinguisher what does that say exit <laughs> and so we were running running around this hotel frantic looking for new words and he was just one after the other and these days he doesn't he doesn't talk a lot he doesn't ex- express himself verbally but it's those moments in time that kind of you know reinforce that presumption of competence to go hey he understands absolutely everything we are saying to him so those conversations that we have in front of him are always positive always you know inclusive of of him and his needs and 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 to make sure that he's understanding what's going on but it was the it was the people of america that um was probably the the highlight i mean environmentally it was it was incredible it's the most incredible experience of my life The most one of the most amazing things that we've ever done particularly as a family but it was the people Um, It was the North Dakota Autism Centre that took us in for four days um, off the side of the road. And and the the founders of that organisation put us up in their house and fed us and and looked after us. And we shared stories and we had this connection. It was a guy by the name of uh, Gene Meek in Shelby, Montana, that came across us on the side of the road and offered us a place to stay for the night. Threw us his car keys and he said, "Go tour around my little town. Go as far as you want." Helped fix and he paid for a um, a, a brake set that blew out when we were coming down off the Rocky Mountains. He then flew from one side of America to the other to be there at the end when we finished the journey because he knew the significance and what it meant to travel with a child. But to travel with a child that had complex needs, it was just a, it was something that he just didn't want to miss out on. And he wanted to show us that support. And we found out that he had a nephew that it was um, severely autistic. And he just thought it was a brilliant thing that we were doing, concentrating on our son's strengths and giving him those amazing positive associations in his life.
1: I did want to say when you first started talking about the plan for this adventure, um, it was beautiful the way you said it. It was, you you basically aligned the things your son enjoyed and wanted to do and was capable of doing and the things you were capable of doing and the things you enjoyed and where those things all align that Venn diagram, you created this idea for this adventure and, I don't know I just feel that's just such a such a wonderfully uh uh opportunistic way to look at things because without that outlook I don't think you would have ever this would never have crossed your mind as a, even a possibility much less to make it actually happen. I mean what what an adventure. I mean beautiful beautiful places you were you were experiencing but also in this beautiful way man that is awesome. That is awesome.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's a it's a it's a classic, isn't it? You know, I just Jeez. I remember a day. You know, like
1: there's there's some
0: negative things that occurred, but I, we kind of take the positive out of it. You know, it was negative in terms of it was scary, it was risk taking. What the what, what the heck were we doing as mum and dad? Right. You know, we, we camped in we camped in Theodore Roosevelt National Park with you know herds of bison that stampeded past the tents. Oh <laughs> we my god. Had to get past these bison that were on the middle of the road, and, and kind of navigate our way around these 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 uh, beasts that were the size of pickup trucks. <laughs> you know, it was
1: very they incredibly looking. They're they're very intimidating.
0: Oh, I really are. They really are. But I just love the way that you put it, and I've just created a new term, and I'm and uh, I want everyone to use this now. But I've I've just written down this down this family Venn diagram. What a great way of looking at life seeing how we can meet the needs of everyone in that family unit. So that's it. That's a new term, all family right. Venn diagram. You, you, <laughs>
1: yeah, I won't charge you for it. You can have it. <laughs> no, but it really is because, you, you you, know, gosh, it's so easy to look at all those things that don't overlap. Oh, we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. But the thing you can do is still, it, it meets, obviously, the meets the need of adventure. It also meets all the needs of your son and it just seems, I don't know, this is just mind-blowing to me that you guys were, took, took, took this on and did this. Uh, could you tell me, because you, you've, done, you've done experiences on your own and cycling, and you say you and your wife did just an incredible uh, bike touring trip. What, what were some of the unique challenges um, day-to-day uh, with your son that was maybe different for someone who's just you know touring around the country by themselves or with a spouse or something?
0: Oh, probably the, um, the the sensory needs, um, but I, it, it enabled me to to learn so much more about my son's sensory needs. The things that we kind of take for granted from day to day and we don't actually think about because we're not experiencing what they're experiencing in a particular moment of time when we're at home or when the, the kids are out in the, in the yard. Um, but when you're on a bicycle... Um, I had to think about how my son was, was feeling every moment. So I knew when he was cold because I was cold. Um, and so I knew when he was hot because, you know, I was hot, you know, when those, those over a hundred degrees Fahrenheit days, uh, you know, it, it was hot. So he was going through those sensory needs. I knew when, uh, he was experiencing hay fever, when we got across that kind of middle part or Northern middle part of America, because of the fields that we were cycling, you know, past or through, and so I was able to understand him more in a three-month period than I had his entire life, and so it was challenging those those sensory needs. It was challenging to to get top on top of that on that moment-to-moment, day-to-day basis, but it was also an opportunity uh, to learn about his needs and how we could best cater for those needs and, and explore that and discuss that and, and talk to him, um, in a way that, uh, he knew that, uh, dad knew that he was feeling pretty crappy. <laughs> so, wow. so, um, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 uh, sounds pretty corny when I talk about it, but like it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship that was formed between my son and myself, um, being, being at one together on that bicycle.
1: Yeah, I would love to post a picture of, of the bike and you guys on it because it, it is kind of yeah. you're right there in his in his ear almost like like hey look at that. Hey, I know it's probably it was probably hard to get used to the the weight distribution but you were seems like you were able to just interact with him much more easily. Um and in, in, in his view not being obstructed at all by anything in front of him. What an incredible, what an incredible uh, front seat experience for this whole journey.
0: Oh, look, it was funny, eh? Because this bicycle, obviously, when I when I first started out training on it, uh, it was it was difficult. By day three, I was smashing it. By the end of the trip across the states, I mean we did a thousand kilometers on these kind of rough old gravel um, trails too across the states. Um, wow. Uh, we were able to bunny hop rocks and curbs. <laughs> it was like it was like it was a mountain bike (laughs) that's
1: incredible i didn't know that you guys are off road so i mean you keep throwing you keep throwing details about the trip that just keep you know heightening the amount of of how impressed i am by this that's amazing
0: yeah 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 look and we we also purchased a a tag along bike um that uh connected onto the back of the the hasapino and so it was almost like a road train and so Patch was on the the tag along for about a thousand kilometers and he'd kind of spin and, and, and pedal along and, and laugh and carry on. He'd take his hands off the handlebars and shake them in the air. (laughs) It was, it was kind of, kind of a bit scary, but he was just having a ball. It was, it was brilliant. So.
1: Wow. So how was, uh, did you guys camp a lot and how, how was that with, with your son? Did he, he, you said he enjoys that.
0: Yeah, look, he he absolutely uh, loves camping. It's it's almost it's a, as if it's a bit of a safe place. Uh, he likes. He also likes the texture of the tent, and and uh, he likes kind of like like the different colours that come through on the different angles. I think it as as a, as the sun shines through the the tent as well. And so it was an opportunity to help him. Uh, to learn how to, to, to put the tent up and so there was a lot of kind of guiding along those lines and and uh you know the majority of the time we camped as we went across the united states and it's it's strange now is that i don't remember a lot of those kind of positive experiences i remember a couple of uh negative experiences with camping where he was upset and we're in these state parks, but these kind of jam-packed state parks with lots yeah. and lots of people in them.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and Patch, Patch is upset. And Fiona and I, it's like you know, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, and we're just kind of counting down the minutes to get on that bike <laughs> because wow. we know that the whole the whole state park is awake, and we also want to get Patch out of that kind of situation. And so, but you can't do that in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, it's just it was you know it wasn't possible, and so it's those experiences that you know, while they're not uh, they're great for storytelling, but they're probably not great you know positive associations for for patching our family. But you know, there's there was there was times that were incredibly incredibly hard, and um, but uh, you know, hey, that's isn't that day to day life too? Um, yeah, it
1: sure if, can be, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, 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 were, we were having tough times at home. And so uh we, we expected that there'd be tough times on the road.
1: Were you guys surprised at all that you were able to complete this or or was that just you had made up your mind by the time you started?
0: Yeah, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? You know, we we just kind of set out saying we're going to tackle this one kilometer, one mile at a time. Hmm. And once we'd got over Washington Pass, we were like, "Yeah, okay, that's our first significant peak." Um, and then, of course, you get over that first one, then you got an, you've got another one. You know, I think Loop Loop Pass it was, and and then uh, and then there was another one after that, and then another one after that, and it's like get to about the fourth one. Fiona's going, "What are we doing? What were we thinking about?"
1: This <laughs> right.
0: I, I'm not fit enough because, of course, when I was training with Pat with patch she was <laughs> she was at work <laughs> so she didn't have the opportunity to, to, to oh put the miles God. in things <laughs> and so but once we got over the rocky mountains we were like right we can do this and and you know but then we got kind of three quarters of the way across the states and we were tired um and uh but it was the, the experiences and the people and that that we met every day that that uh, really, really kind of motiva- motivated us to keep going, and the fact that Patch was having such a great time, and it it just meant that you know, hey, you know, we're got to knock this on the head now. We're going to finish this last kind of 100, 100 200 kilometers, and and um, and that's what happened. We yeah, we finished, and it was a glorious experience.
1: Wow, I mean, I just I can't imagine the feeling of of accomplishment of how proud you guys must have been of your son and of yourselves. And yeah, I, you know, you've mentioned, you've, you've said people a few times. Maybe that's something you didn't expect. I don't know if, if that was something in your mind. I know for a lot of people we talk to, that is a surprising aspect of their adventure that they um, look back on it with such fondness and such gratitude is the, is the incredible compassion that people show them during their trip
0: oh look uh it's it's mind blowing uh the way that uh people kind of came out of these little nooks and crannies to to support us um i've made some lifelong friendships out of adventure travel and and uh but i think uh you know that guy gene meek that i spoke about and you know i've spoken to the media all about the World about this fella from you know Shelby Montana. Um, he's probably the most amazing guy I've ever met. That uh, just just took a moment of his time to come and say good day and have a chat, and then lent a hand, um, and then travelled from one side of the states to the other to come and see us finish. Uh, those friendships and those relationships um, is what I'm searching for for not for myself because. I love to learn, I love to explore other people's lives. But for my son to help him to learn how to communicate and learn how to socialise, we've got to increase uh, the quality, the quality and the number of interactions that he has with people. And it seems to me that, you know, I've met too many um, uh, people in the world that are, are passionate about the outdoors and that are adventurous, that are kind of, you know, a nasty people. Um, there's kind of oh, good yeah. people out. We, we've talked there's to a good... few
1: of them on this show.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. I mean, there's people who love the outdoors. They're connecting with nature. They're generally connecting with you know people too, and so that's why we think it's a great idea to kind of hit the road and uh, do these types of activities with Patch.
1: If anyone out there is struggling to to, to find hope for humanity or, or to, to realize there are still good people out there. Put yourself in an adventure somewhere that, that, that where you come through communities. you will see the most incredible people, like you said, come out of the woodwork, come out of the nook and crannies. and it, it'll change your life. It'll change the way you view the world forever. And uh, just the most normal people are, are, are capable of doing that when you when you put yourself out there. And that's that's beautiful. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, man, what an adventure, what an adventure. And then you get all the way to Washington, DC, have this grand, you know, uh, uh, finale completion, finish line. Uh, and then what you, you just went back home and, and got to just reminisce for a little bit and unwind.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, kind of, uh, uh, we had a, a Labrador and I was down at the local dog park. And uh, I see this guy over there that's got dreadlocks. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a chat to you. You look like an interesting fella. And we got we got talking about adventure and about travel. And and then I talked to him about what we did in the States. And then he says that he's a filmmaker. And uh, he came across and, and met Patch. We had a few coffees. And before you know it, he said, look, I want to make a documentary about Uh, your family and about how you travel on bikes and so we did a bit of a kickstarter it kind of it didn't kick we didn't get enough money but then we had people in the community go hey look we want to kind of throw some money at this anyway and so we raised enough just to do the filming aspect of it we're trying to raise some more money to, or we're, we're hoping to get some investment to be able to to finish off the documentary. But we had a film crew follow us for a couple of weeks on what's called the Mawson Trail in South Australia. It's a 900 kilometer off-road mountain bike trail. It's full on, it's, it's hilly, it's gravel. Um, it's from the uh, top of the Flinders Ranges in South Australia all the way to Adelaide and it explores some of the most beautiful country. And so we did this, and it was the toughest thing I have ever done in my life because it was so hardcore. After day one, I was broken. And of course it makes for great filming, doesn't it? (laughs) But probably doesn't make for (laughs) great uh, great focus on what's possible and what motivates your child. Patch found it tough, we found it tough. We did it. Uh, We've got a lot of film filming left to do and so we're hoping that we can incorporate some of our our next adventures possibly into that documentary as well but um but we've got some big things planned uh for 2020 and uh we're hoping to uh to get patch up the top of the highest peak in every state and territory in australia he loves bushwalking um and they're all relatively um, small in terms of the the height levels, um, but they're all very much achievable in terms of the distance to get up to some of these peaks. Some of them are only a, a, a kind of a two or three day trek to get to. Others you can get up and down them uh, in a day very easily. But it's the remoteness of these um, these mountains which is probably the most difficult thing. Um, and there's a lot of trouble involved. And so, 2020 for us, we are hoping to kick off an adventure in, to explore different parts of Australia, taking the, the bikes with us to do lots of rail trails, but to help Patch become the youngest child in history to you know break a break a world record, so to speak, to become the youngest child to have um, bagged each of these highest peaks in the in each state and territory of Australia, which would be epic.
1: <laughs> I think it's incredible. And so are you trying to achieve all that, uh, next year, like within the calendar year, or is it going to be spaced out over a few years?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're hoping to do that, to do that in, uh, 2020. Um, and of course some of these are in the middle, middle of the desert. They're very remote. Some of them are on Indigenous lands, which we need to get to permission to be able to do. And we want the permission from the elders to be able to you know, make sure that we show respect to be able to do that. Uh, Red Bull tried a few years ago, um, and uh, they could uh, they could bag all of them except for one uh, because they didn't have that permission. So there's a lot of kind of factors and logistics involved. I reckon I can, I can. Uh, Get that one over over the line. Uh, Fiona and I have a, a a great respect for Indigenous culture. We've worked in Indigenous areas of Australia. We also understand that uh, the importance of diversity and, and inclusion. And we and we reckon um, a um, a greeting or a meeting between the elders and Patch might be a way to go. Um, they do run tourism activities up one of these peaks, so. I think uh, even if it comes down to it, we'll, we'll get a crew of indigenous elders to be able to help us get patched to the top. But uh, where there's a will, there's a way, isn't it? Uh,
1: apparently. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know more about that than I do. <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've proven it. Holy cow. Yeah. This just seems like another way that you guys have been able to kind of overlap what works for your son and what works for you and something you want to do. Um, it sounds awesome. Sounds awesome, so I was actually one of me, one of my last questions was what's what's your what's in your future? But it sounds like you have an incredible adventure already in the works.
0: Yeah, look, um, yeah, look. There's so many components of of uh, uh, this particular adventure for next year that I, I want to come together. Um, originally, I had uh, had the plan that we wanted to somehow get hold of a an electric vehicle and travel from the top of uh alaska to the bottom of south america now we've had a a change in the australian dollar uh, which makes it very difficult to be able to do an adventure like that and of course we wanted to do all these side trips with with trekking and mountain biking and but it looks as if we might stick a little bit closer to home next year and if i can incorporate an electric vehicle into uh into that trip it would make it even so much more special um and but uh time will tell see if we can we can actually achieve that goal as well um yeah so it's uh yeah so many things (laughs) so little time so let's live the moment and you know and uh make it adventure part of it so there you go
1: wow I'm a little speechless. You don't catch me speechless most of the time, but this is, uh, <laughs> I tell you what, you know, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've heard from people and you've told you they've, you've encouraged them, you know, that a diagnosis with a child or, or some sort of perceived limitation is, is, does not have to be perceived that way. Um, and the fact that you guys have taken these adventures on, um, i know for you probably with your mindset now is hard for us to see on the outside but it 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 feels like those things are now out of reach for a lot of people i'm sure and so when they see someone like you it's just got to give that sense of adventure and that sense of this is possible back to them and so uh, yeah thank you for doing that
0: yeah look uh, i guess um you know, it's, we've had some tough times over the years and we just try to live an amazing, happy life um, and try to kind of, you know, crack through some of those difficult times. I've got a saying, there's, you know, there's no change without change. And if, you know, if things aren't working out, you're going to try something different. And so I guess one of the things in those very early days of diagnosis, uh, Fiona and I got a lot of things wrong. There are a lot of questions that uh, we wanted answered that, that, we couldn't necessarily find out um, information about. And so uh, over the last 18 months, uh, almost 20 months now, we worked on a a podcast for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the ABC here. And uh, so we were commissioned to produce a podcast about autism and family life. And so we would love it if people in America were able to kind of, you know, share that podcast, get people listening to it, because it's, it's a very intimate approach to podcasting, where we explore certain facets of our family's life. And and with our son's permission, we have been able to um, interview him and record his voice and use aspects or audio of his voice over nine years. So it's quite incredible, really, with our son's minimally verbal, nonverbal, and to ca- capture some of that, that language that he's used. But we then go out and we interview people all over the world—autistics, uh, parents, and professionals—about um, their everyday life, and so they then then are able to offer some of those ideas and those and those supports that parents are looking for in those very early stages. And so we created a podcast that that we needed you know many many years ago when patch was first diagnosed to help other to help others and so it's called um the parenting spectrum and you can obviously get it on iTunes or wherever you download your um your podcast so it's that's a uh, the parenting spectrum and over 50% of the people that we interview are autistic and they absolutely smash all those misconceptions and they break it all down. And right throughout this podcast, we talk about achieving the seemingly impossible and focusing on what's possible and what motivates your child. And And it's all about strengths and interests. And, and of course, if you love travel and adventure, if as a minimum, you only listen to one episode, listen to episode six, because it's about the joy of travel with your child is on the autism spectrum. And we interview a number of families that go off and do cracking, amazing things.
1: I will absolutely link that um, in the show notes of this episode. Uh, is there any other way that people can can get a hold of you or, or follow your journeys um, or keep up with what you're doing?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, definitely. So uh, I have got a Facebook page It's called School of the Road. School of the Road and um, a little green logo there it's got a little bicycle in the middle of it a couple of trees on the outside so you won't be able to miss it and that's where i talk about our adventures in our day-to-day life and life growing up um you know bringing up a a child and and um i try to be really really positive and um try to be a uh am not necessarily a role model but a uh, somebody that's um That talks in a way that's it's it's a a new narrative a a way that we should always have been talking about disability and focusing on those strengths and and those interests and and helping build a community
1: my goodness travis thank you so much for for coming on here and telling your journey and, and encouraging folks who might be facing something that is challenging um and for those that that aren't if they think they have an excuse as to why they can't do an adventure you're you're telling them right now like there's a way there's a way you can do the things that that, uh that fulfill you um you just gotta be creative and think outside the box a little bit
0: and to create that meaningful participation is probably one of the most important things um make it make it work for your child and make it work for, for your family hey and as you said create that family venn diagram and you never know what your child and yourself are going to get out of that and so um it's been awesome talking to you
1: well i appreciate it yeah and and uh you lo- know i want to check out the film when it comes out
0: yeah yeah sweet mate so that's 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 great, mate. Um, I'll, uh, I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, Travis, have a great day. Have a good morning. And, you too. Uh, tell your family hello, and thanks again for doing this.
0: Yeah, good on you, mate. No all worries. Right. Take care. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. Cheers. Right, bye. Bye.
1: First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to the show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.